Before we get started, we have a disclaimer to share. We are not mental health professionals. We are two individuals who are passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics and we are sharing our own personal experiences. All conversations and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary care physician or call 911. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Mind If We Chat. I'm your host, Sarah. This week, we're celebrating Veterans Day. Today, I have a very special guest with me, Ramon Madrigal. Ramon is a former resident of the East Side, and he is a Marine and a National Guardsman. Welcome, Ramon. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's good to have you here. It's good to be here. Yes, I actually know you because you know my husband. Yes, I actually um, I I know your husband and your brother-in-law. We wrestled together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I've known so, for a long time. Yeah, and my husband was actually Army Reservist. Yes, so yeah, I know <laughs> <laughs> not everybody can be a Marine. <laughs> I I'm gonna make sure I edit that out so he doesn't hear that. <laughs> All right. So Ramon, um, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I was, um, born and raised in Chicago, uh, on the Southeast side or you know, like the Southeast side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I went to Galisto, St. Francis, George Washington, um, and then joined the Marine Corps, um, first in, uh, November 10th, 1999, actually that's coming up. And it's also my birthday. And I left there and went to a Marine, MCRD, Marine Corps Recruit Depot in San Diego okay. and um, became a cook. Um, I went overseas to Okinawa, Japan. With, um, <clears throat> and I went over to, I was on Camp Hansen with 312, 3rd Marine, um, Marines Division, 12th Marines Regiment. And uh, I've seen, I went over to uh, get a little bit of um, cooking over there in in Fuji, in Mount Fuji, oh. out there, and that was pretty cool stuff. And then I went to some other places called Beppu City, where we did, you know, training over there. It was like, um, it was a quick experience, seeing all these different places and these different cultures and people. And I enjoy that kind of thing, you know. Yeah, man, I had a lot of pictures and stuff like that. A lot of incriminating pictures too. So, (laughs) (laughs) and and that's kind of the fun thing about being in the military, right? Is you get stationed in different places, and you're able to like experience, you know, being in places and also doing something you love and protecting people and things like that. But uh, yeah, Fuji, that sounds fun. (laughs) Well, kind of, yeah, it was. Um, And there was Mapungi. I went to Tokyo. Oh. You know, yeah, maybe you know, taking a train there and stuff like that. And um, and then, you know, I got stationed to Camp Pendleton mm-hmm. and um, we we I was on 
I was uh, my parent unit was first FSSG HNS Battalion in Camp Pendleton, uh, which is main side, as far as I remember correctly. And then I was, you know, put into like what they call 22 area, and uh, stayed there for a while. And then I bounced around between 22 area, 14 area main side, and then 43 area, which was, um, I think they're, they're known as cannon conquerors. They're uh, artillery. They're 11th Marines, and I did so. I bounced between 14 area main side and in 43 area a few times before I eventually got out. And um, two months later, I joined the National Guard. <laughs> I did, you know, was ready to let go of the life, I guess, you know, and, and I, I didn't get to go overseas. And I got in some trouble in the Marine Corps. So um, I, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so. You're not a real Marine until you get in trouble at least once. <laughs> So, um, I, um, how do I say this? So I got out and a couple months later, I joined the National Guard and a year into it, they sent me overseas to Iraq. I was and part of the second surge, which is the second largest surge since the Korean War. Then I was part of that surge and uh, was um, assigned to as, uh, an infantryman. Mm -hmm. things, so I was machine gunning there, but basically we were what they call fobbits. So you stayed on the five floor object in Ford, Ford Observing Base, Ford Observer Base, okay. artillery base, you know, and, and um, we just stood guarding, guarding the perimeters of everything, you know, and our area was Castle Gate, and uh, it was pretty chill, you know, being over there. For the most part, you know, periodically things would happen, sniper fire, um, mortars, things like that. You know, and then towards the end, you know, we lost, they, I don't know who they were. They weren't our guys, um, but, you know, those two guys that were there, ultimately they were killed. Um, they were, we were coming, we were going out, they were coming in. And uh, I think it was like April 19th. April 19th, around 8 o'clock at night, Chicago time, about 6 o'clock in the morning or something like that, mm -hmm. in Iraq. Um, and uh, those two guys, you know, they, they're like butter, you know, just gone. So, uh, so if you need a minute, just let me know. Um but how long were you there in Iraq? Seven months. <clears throat> Seven months on ground. Okay. They did training up, and then the and then and then the I guess debriefing and everything, mm -hmm. um, before we came home, and uh, yeah. So the whole thing was, I think, I want to say 15, 16 months. Okay, and you were only deployed. One time, or were you deployed time. multiple times? I was gonna. I I, I wanted to go back um, and maybe go to Afghanistan or something, but my mother begged me not to. So okay, I didn't. Okay, and so, <laughs> but it's, she said, "I just can't take it. I just can't take it. Just don't, don't, 
just, you know, it's, I, I don't know if I can take it anymore. It's just, so I didn't, I didn't go back. And then I thought to myself at the same time, you know, like, like I did what I, I did my part, mm-hmm. you know, um, let's not push the envelope, you know, mm-hmm. that's maybe, okay, so okay, next time, you know? Yeah. And so when, so I kind of want to talk to you about prior to going to Iraq, what would you say like your mem- mental health status was before? I didn't know anything about mental health um, prior to mm-hmm. um, growing up in the East side with, with all the, the gangs and, and the fighting stuff like that was like normal. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I wasn't anybody to like worry about or anything. I wasn't, you know, trouble, so to speak. I don't think I was. Um, but being around it, I guess, in hindsight with, with the things uh, that I grew up with inside and outside of the house, um, there was a lot in the house. There was a lot out of the house as well. Mm-hmm. And and growing up, not knowing any better, it was just like the way it was, you know. And and um, sure, I could see as I got older in other houses how they were how it was different than than my own. And um, <clears throat> not realizing as I got older how that was gonna affect, you know, my life and and my being, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. So it wasn't. It wasn't the. Uh, if something made me angry and I wanted to put it someplace, then I would go, you know, to wrestle, <clears throat> or I would work out at the gym, and and all this pent up energy of anger or whatever would be let out into some someplace positive, and that's okay. kind of how I. That's how I felt like you know this is how I coped I guess. Yeah. You know. And it's still kind of like that. Um, not so much now. I'm getting older, and my condition is kind of. But I still try to, you know, it's almost the same. You know, it's just mm-hmm. slower. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk to you about how life was for you after you came home. Oh. And again, reminder, if you need a minute, let me know. Yeah, after I came home, I remember getting off the plane and and, and they, everybody was clapping like, hey, you know, it was this warm welcoming from people that you didn't even know. Mm-hmm. And that was touching. And uh, I felt like, I felt like a celebrity for a little bit, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, this reporter guy walked up to me. He goes, "Hey, I need you know," and I gave him a number which I thought was still working, but it wasn't. And I found that out later on. It's kind of a bummer because he wanted to question me like they're doing to me right now. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, uh, needless to say, you know that conversation never took place. And and then I go outside and waiting for this my. This is this girl that was supposed to be, you know, with me and you know, everything else like that, but she wasn't. Uh, so I came home to like 
the breakup thing, you know, and it was it was mean the way it took place. She apologized to me about it sometime later. And, um, you know, the tears rolled down the way she had done it. And, and I mean, the, the way it, what it did to me was it just. It hurt me, you know, it 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 tainted what I thought love is supposed to be or you know and then, and I had other other heartbreaks prior too. Mm-hmm. Um they said her brother picked me up and I was standing outside and I was suddenly uncomfortable. There was mm-hmm. all these cars, there was all these people and stuff going around and, and, and I just was not comfortable. Like okay. something was different. You know, and I was, I said, I could see it now, like the, the cars up there and all the shining, the cars shining, and I'm like, one of these cars is going to blow up, which one is it? You know, and, and I wasn't that comfortable at all, at all. You know, so I started to notice like something different, you know, uh, almost right away. Mm-hmm. Um, Keep in mind also too, like just before you know leaving Iraq, like less than twenty four hours, that the last um, bombing happened. You know the attack that happened; those two soldiers that passed away, mm-hmm. and how I was affected by that. I guess I was my lips were blue, or my skin was blue, and my lips were gray, and I was still moving and. and that was really something, you know, something I've never felt before. And, you know, I was completely cold, you know, all it started like ice going all the way down the small of my back, you know, and, and I'm getting my stuff on in, in his pitch black room. And, 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 um, as I'm running, I can hear my footprints, you know, and you come outside and know someone's going to be out there. I was ready, you know, like to, to fire my weapon and, and, and people, and I just collapsed. You know, and into this this bunkered area. This there, it's not under the ground; it's over the ground. They had these cement things that cover like like a tunnel, mm-hmm. and people were hiding in there. And that's where we went for you know when bombings would take place. And um, I just sat down and crumbled onto the ledge there, and I couldn't move, and I felt like I was gonna defecate and and throw up and and urinate and just everything's just kind of like doing its own thing and um and they you know they yell all clear and we get out and i look over and there's two soldiers that are getting tended to and wrapped up and they were gone Mm -hmm. so for you like experiencing that and being in that place, you know, it sounded like you were having a lot of physical symptoms of fear, right? Like you and uncertainty and all these different emotions were happening and it was physically coming out because I heard you say, like, I wanted to, felt like I had to throw up. I felt like I was going to defecate. I felt just cold. And so those are uh, symptoms of trauma Mm-hmm. And 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 extreme symptoms because as some this sergeant he read he read this book and it's an extreme situations of traumatic experiences like that where your heart explodes like if you're like in the front or something and you've got the enemy is right in front of there and you're you're in the front and you guys are gonna come and come at you and go at it 
Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times, you know, or sometimes it happens where they don't even shoot off first round and the hearts explode. So what I was experiencing is, is uh, what I what I assume is the lower level of traumatic experience that the body kind of starts to do for itself and all that. So afterward, the defecation and the feeling like that or burping or, you know, or throwing up or, you know, urinating yourself or somewhere um, or throwing up suddenly. That's the body balancing itself out with the chemicals, knowing that the flight or flight thing is not the, the, the danger is gone and, and you're kind of starts to level out. That's what that is. So I didn't defecate. I didn't throw up, but I felt real close to both and everything else like that. So that's yeah. what that's what that was. From my understanding, that's what I was feeling. You know, um, and I can't imagine what it would be like for some other you know soldiers or or service members out there who, who go through so much more. You know what? How they hold it together is beyond me. You know. Yeah, I mean that's. That's that. I I mean, I'm kind of right now sitting here trying to formulate a sentence and I'm even lost for words just hearing that. So to be in that and to experience that, I mean, I just can't put into words how that could even feel. Uh, Yeah. uh, You know, but when they say that when your training kicks in, it does. You will do what you were trained to do. I'm still moved. I still did, you know, everything was still like, I was still moving. I was still doing everything that, you know, what was trained to do. And it just, you know, um, it's, it's true. You, 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 it just takes over. Mm -hmm. So when you were back home, did you find things like in your environment that triggered you? Uh, Yes. Absolutely. Can you kind of talk um, to me about that? Loud noises. Mm-hmm. Um, certain things or people that may be laying down a certain way, like those guys. Um, ah. Hard to say off the top of my head right now. It's weird. But loud noises, you know, or I, I don't know. My mind is blank right now as far as that goes. Okay. Well, we can always can, come I back. I see like my, my brother and my mother, you know, watching them. And, you know, that was, you know, that's like, you know, anything that would. Any kind of like anything that would put me in in a situation where I would feel threatened or uncomfortable mm-hmm. would trigger me somehow, some way. Um, anything like emotional connection, whatever, just off, off. So there's no. So I mean, there's the idea of having a girlfriend. Out of the question, completely out of question, you know, because, you know, women need emotional, they need to, they need the man to be emotionally available. And he's not emotionally available, he's gone. Mm-hmm. He's, he's dead. So, you know, there's, so there goes that, you know, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, to get someone to kind of uh, level up, I mean, understand, you know, it's, it's hard because I didn't understand, you know, for yeah. a long time. So h- how can I explain, you know, the stuff that, you know, and get someone who has no clue, you know, I, I don't know either, you know. So um, later I learned, you know, trauma is trauma. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be overseas for some people. There's there's all kinds of trauma and, and there's different levels of it. And so when I started to understand it more. So now there can be some communication, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know, but- um, so being back at home prior to uh, getting any kind of diagnosis, prior to being able to have coping mechanisms, what did you do to cope with things when you would get triggered or, you know, just when you were just not feeling yourself? How did you cope? I don't think I did. Mm-hmm. And I had my girlfriend at the time, um, and I hurt her because I couldn't feel like she, she wanted me to say, you know, to be in love with her, but I couldn't feel like, mm-hmm. so I couldn't tell her the words she wanted to hear. And, uh, you know, um, I just knew that I was on edge all the time and I would have these dreams with her right next to me. And she, you know, I remember once I was having this dream where I was, where we were like we're being attacked. Oh, and this stuff didn't happen. This sounds like some Rambo movie. You know, like, <laughs> this didn't happen. I'm like, what am I, some freaking Rambo? Like, Aah! you know, like, <laughs> no. Like, yeah. On the dream, um, this helicopter's coming and we're all getting attacked and, and, Helicopter's going up, and I gotta grab the bottom of the helicopter while it's going. Otherwise, I'm gonna get left behind. And rounds are going back and forth, zipping past. You know what I'm saying? And then I guess I jump up and I wake up, and it's still happening. And I can still hear the helicopter chopping, you know, oh, roll down windows and stuff just a little bit. You know how it gets a chop in the car? That's what you're That'll put me there. Really? Yeah. Because it, it, it's chopping the air, like, you know, yeah. and like a helicopter. And then, uh, so yeah, that'll, that'll put me there sometimes. I'll either roll up the window all the way or just roll it all the way down. But that'll, that'll kind of do it. That'll do it. That's another thing that'll do it. You know, any form of aggression, trigger, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, it happens. I usually try to walk away or whatever. And if I feel cornered, or if my back's against the wall, I'm fighting forward. Mm. I will fight forward. And I, uh, I'm going to hit you first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it sounds like you're... last fight I had, I fought these four guys. I didn't win, but I fought these four <laughs> guys. I, I, I beat the one, but he ran and got his friends and came back. And split the whole inside of my cheek up and everything. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, when when did you decide that you wanted to get some help? Like you notice things are not 
you know, right. You notice things um, are triggering you. When did you decide, like, I need to reel this in? What did, what was that process like for you? And what did you do? Um, I went to the, uh, at the time it was in Vista. It was, um, um, counseling. I went to counseling. I went to counseling and, and I, I talked to my counselor and said, look, you know, like things aren't, cause I was, I'm crying uncontrollably. I was waking up in puddles of sweat. Were I you mean, still in the service I mean, I as like this is happening? Out. I was out. You were out. Okay. And I was feeling like, like all, everything was just, I mean, everything, the bit looked like somebody dumped a bucket of water on top of me or maybe a couple buckets of water on top of me and everything was just drenched, you know, and this was like, this would happen a lot, you know, and, um, and I, and I, I just, I was just crying a lot, uncontrollably crying, you know, so I was all puffy eyed and everything and trying to get myself together, brushing my teeth, you know, just like, I got to get it together because I got to go to work, you know, and people are, I'm a cook. Everybody comes down to see the cook, you know, and I couldn't start not being able to remember orders or, you know, I would have panic attacks right there at work, you know. Um, and so, and then I was, you know, start just thinking these suicidal ideation, you know, mm-hmm. and um, talk to my counselor, like, look, I, we need to do something, but I wasn't diagnosed with PTSD at the time. Okay. Um, that didn't happen until six years later of going to counseling and stuff like that. And um, it took a long time because I guess the diagnosis that was given, you know, the, the counselor or whoever didn't, didn't want to change the diagnosis, but I guess she got in some kind of trouble for it because they switched me from her. And when I kind of like, I guess I snapped, you know, like, but it was an eerie, quiet snap. Like, she's like, are, are you going to be a problem? Because maybe we don't need to see each other no more. So I was like, no, we're going to be this. So she, was, what was her original was, diagnosis for you? I don't know what she was given. Um, I don't know what she was saying, but... um. I know that around the time when they switched it or, or when I got like, you know, um, when I got, how they say, when I got my rating and everything like that, they, Mm -hmm. they, I I guess I, I had this, I came home from work one day and I, and I, and I'm walking in the yard and, and everything's fine. Like we're talking right now. And I took a step. And right before I hit the grass, it just hit me, boom. And all my spider senses were going nuts. And 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 I don't have any weapon on me or anything. And I'm just like, I live in this back of this um this this house mm-hmm. in this um this what used to be a shack. And I lived there for ten years, no no air conditioning, no stove, you know. And uh it took me 15 minutes or so to just to get to like what was maybe like 40 yards, maybe less than that. And, and, and I was in fight mode, like every blade of grass, like every, my sight, my senses were heightened. Like, like, I mean, it was really, 
and that is, I, and I, I could not feel secure until I would go inside and I, I grab a couple of knives because it was the best that I had at the time. And I have secure my perimeter of the house, the front, you know, next door on both sides and the back to make sure that before I felt like comfortable enough to, 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 to go back inside in my place and smoke a bowl, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, uh, with marijuana, <laughs> indica, <laughs> calm me down. Mm -hmm. And, um, I, I, I go to the, the, the VA hospital and, um, I guess the process started from there, but I was, I was a mess. I, um, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it, you know, I couldn't shake what was going on. And I guess, um, they sent me to go and get checked out with this nurse and the nurse was like, do you want to talk to anybody? I said, no, cause I had like three counselors, like a psychologist. I had the employee assistant program, like therapist and the VA. And then talk to the fourth person, you know, it's too much. Yeah. Do you want to take medicine? I was like, I don't want to take any medicine because, you know, I just don't want to, you know, um, I, I smoke weed, you know what I'm saying? And it's just fine. Mm -hmm. And she goes, okay, bye-bye now. You go, 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 go. And I was like, and I'm thinking, like, look, this is normal. And I go back down and I tell the guy what happened. And he was like, she did what? And I'm like, well, yeah, and I'm not realizing what happened. What she had just done was completely wrong. Yeah. You know? And um, we went, they went up there and they ripped her. And every time I would hear her voice, a woman's voice, the guy, they, I'm like, they yelled at her and she just got nothing word. And so then they got me to talk to this MD. Mm -hmm. And and I did this questionnaire, and I'd done this questionnaire before. And this one guy told me, he "Goes, you got PTSD." I was like, "How can you tell that? Because of a fucking piece of paper? Fuck out of here!" You know what I'm saying? Like, and I was in that, you know, that kind of mood. Yeah. And uh, I did that paper like four or five times or something. But finally, I guess it finally took. Like, and um, he said that it was severe, you know, because. So when she said it was severe, she got up abruptly and went and, you know, she was in a, I guess she went to hurry up or whatever. And, and I just, I was in disbelief. Mm -hmm. So then all these um, appointments were being done. I still don't know what's happening. All these appointments were being done. The next thing you know, I get this paper in the mail, my war letter stating, you know, the disability ratings and everything else like that. And, and uh, there I am, you know. Like I got, and so that's how that's how it happened for me. Okay, and just for our listeners, I'd like to um, share some things with them about post-traumatic stress disorder. So post-traumatic stress can happen when an individual experiences or witnesses a traumatic event, such as military combat. Terrorist incidents are serious accidents, and some of the signs of post-traumatic stress may include repeated thinking about an event, avoiding reminders of the trauma, extreme mood instability, being constantly alert or on guard, feelings of depression, hopelessness, and numbness, difficult with personal relationships, difficult concentrating and making decisions, and distorted negative beliefs and expectation of oneself or the world around them so it definitely ramon reading that the, do those symptoms resonate with you yeah and you know i think that um 
we need to not forget also, you know, um, known as MST, military sexual trauma. It happens to mm -hmm. women and, and men. And, mm -hmm. and it's also a thing too, you know what I mean? And uh, yeah, and it's very real, you know, and, and it's a touchy subject, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. It's, uh, those things happen, you know? Yeah. So those things that give PTSD as well, you know, and yeah, in or out of the military, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I, as I was like looking up things for this episode and doing research, because as my listeners know, I love my research. Um, I was reading some articles about like men and women being in the service and having PTSD from like traumatic sexual experiences in the military, being sexually harassed by superiors. And I mean, you think about it, look at Vanessa Guillen. What happened to her? So it's not just going overseas, you know, it's that um other other components of being in the military can also become traumatic experiences right so thank you for pointing that out kind of you know any experience that's traumatic to the individual in or out of the military you know mm -hmm. growing up in an abusive household that i mean that'll really screw a person up yeah you know what I mean? watching or hearing smacking sounds of of, of of a parent you know being 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 assaulted by another parent or a stepfather or boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever these things you know traumatize you know the, the people that are that are in the house or you know mm -hmm. the kids and stuff like that who see this stuff and then they got to go to school and like everything's normal and you know the kids kind of in a different state of mind you know and then they, they, they grow up with this you know and that, you know, those things, you know, they really, they do a number. Yeah, they yeah. really, really do. And a lot of the times, like I said, as I was doing, you know, research, I saw like substance abuse was definitely an issue that um, was going on because, I mean, that's a way to cope, right? If I'm using a substance, I don't have to feel and a lot of the times with PTSD and trauma and anxiety and depression, you don't want to feel. Um, yeah. So substance Just abuse. Yeah. Substance abuse is a way to like numb that pain. But, you know, going to a counselor as you did, like seeing a counselor for six years. And I'm sorry you had that experience. I mean, to be with someone for six years and then find out like, you know, into <laughs> Just a pat on the back. Okay, thank you. That's that's very unfortunate. <laughs> what do you mean? Like what? Somebody for six years. You said you were with your counselor for six years, correct? Before oh, with that one, yeah, yeah, that was. She was that was something different. I think there was a bit of racism involved in that. Okay. Very much so. And I, I saw her sometime later. Um, I don't. You know what? There was uh, when, when I guess I when I guess I guess when when they gave me um, when they looked into me more. I, I'm I'm thinking mm -hmm. it was when there was forty veterans in Arizona that were waiting 
they had to wait to get seen. And I don't know if they were waiting for months or whatever the case may be, but they all committed suicide. It was mm. 40 of them. our veterans committed suicide. So from there, there was a big, huge investigation that was launched, VA United, and nationwide. Mm-hmm. And I think that's around that time is when I guess they had switched me from that counselor in that mm-hmm. building to another building. I never went back in that, you know, and in, into that and talked to that same counselor ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they put me in with uh, the veterans center, and that's another big thing. You know, if somebody has PTSD and stuff, look for your veterans center. If you have PTSD or think you do, look for your veterans center wherever you are, and and get in touch with them. And they specialize with PTSD. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where I that's where I, I was transferred to, and I've, I've been there ever since. So, like, I was doing the mental health thing, the counseling and stuff like that, you know. But mm-hmm. that was that was that was fine and dandy. But what I needed was the veteran center, and so it took six years for me to figure. And they're not going to tell you, you know, like, oh, you need to be over here. They're not going to tell you. It's up to you to figure that out. That's the kind of thing that's kind of messed up. So there's a lot of things that, you know, that they're looking for certain words and you don't know the word. You don't know anything like what to say, or, you know, so, so nothing gets done. You're just like talking to a wall and it's over and over, but you know, it's going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's a flaw, you know, because a lot of, you know, veterans that could be getting help or better help um, are not. You know, and then, you know, some do well and, and some don't. Yeah, so you said you were able to go through the Veterans Center. Um, was it something, when you were in the military, uh, did you ever experience this prior to deployment? Any well, of these? Okay. Okay, because I, I was yeah. reading that some people um, who who want to seek mental health treatment who were a part of the military services didn't seek treatment because they were scared um, how it would affect their career. It yeah. Is, um, it is a sad thing. Mm-hmm. Did you experience that at all? Like with other people that you knew or even people that may be in now um, that they don't necessarily go to get a diagnosis uh, because they're afraid it might affect their career? I've heard of that. Um, I know a couple of people that even even while out, they still refuse, you know, uh, because they if if they wanted to get a, a certain kind of job, whatever, they, you know, they're afraid it's going to affect them, mm-hmm. and they were not going to be able to get that job, you know. So, yeah, there's a couple of people out there. And did you ever feel that way, like prior to seeking help? No, I didn't care. I wanted to, I wanted me back. Yeah. But the reality of it is I'm never getting me back. Mm. 
because I left part of me over there. Mm. So there is no getting you there. Yeah. You know, um, your innocence, you know, um, who you are, um, your marbles, <laughs> <laughs> you know, up there in the noggin. Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, they're gonna they're rolling around somewhere over there. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, how do you currently take care of your mental health? What are you doing these days to take care of yourself? This is one thing that I do. What we're doing here. Mm -hmm. This stuff here. I've I've been on a couple of I've been on a, a podcast with um, my Muay Thai instructor. I forget the, the number of epi the, the episode that I did um, for for my another part of my story in particular and how I found Muay Thai and things like that and talked about my PTSD and how Muay Thai helped me cope with some of my PTSD for a period of time and um, it's a uh, Y O D podcast young old dude is a wild podcast on soundcloud um and i tell some of my story there okay. and there's um another a radio show that i actually <coughs> talk to from sometimes to go there and we're bringing awareness to uh homelessness and stuff like that from veteran homelessness you know and and the way I guess things are um, as a whole in the system and how, you know, it, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's hard for us to make a living, you know, with what little we have in a place like San Diego, mm -hmm. you know, um, there isn't, there's, and so I've been on that show a few times and I continue to go, as long as he allows me to go. And I'm kind of like co-host. Mm -hmm. So um, that's another way I kind of help getting word out. And with that also, it's uh, I do, when she calls me, um, it's for her, what do they call um It's called Homeless Veterans of San Diego. Okay. And and they they help try to bring homelessness like homeless veterans off the streets and find them places, you know, um, that they can they can they can reside in. Mm -hmm. You know, they find them homes. And um, and I do some of the intakes for that periodically. And I've I've done uh, this thing called the North County Veterans Stand Down, and they do it every year. And I was one of them. I was a uh, I was a participant in there. I went homeless for. Sure. I didn't ever actually hit the streets. I got very lucky. Mm -hmm. um, after I lost my mom, and then jail, and then my brother, then came back. I lost my brother, then came back here. And some people, you know, called this the city that I was living in the back of this house, which was in the shack. So then I, I had nowhere to go. Um, from there, this 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 um, event was taking place. The North County veteran, the stand down, mm -hmm. was taking place, and I went with 
I went there and me and my dog were staying in this cabin, you know, with other homeless people and stuff like that. And, um, I told them that once I got on my feet that I would come back and I would be doing volunteer to give back for what they helped me with. And the, the North County Veterans Stand Down is basically a one-stop shop. Anything that you can think of that a veteran or the dependents of veterans may need, it's there. It's it's there. And it's in this big ranch area and, and they have, you know, all the, you know, Anything you can think of, you know, food, um, clothes, shoes, um, veterans court, um, DMV stuff, um, child care assistance. I mean, you name it. It's, it's, it's like, it's a no BS thing. It's, it's, it's really good. So I, um, I, I tried to participate in that and I, I did, um, intakes and stuff like that with people, you know, ask them a little questionnaire thing that I have to go through to get their information and try to, you know, and then from there, I guess, you know, Kelly, um, who is the representative and I think CEO, if I'm not mistaken, of okay. Homeless Veterans of San Diego, and she became a very dear friend of mine and we became very oh. close. We work hand in hand. And now we go to this radio show called it's 1170 the answer mm-hmm. and um and i um and I, we go and we, we we talk and i'm 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 on that show too so that's kind of like something something with this talk show thing is something's coming up i don't know what it is and then there's this so like <laughs> to me god's telling me something yeah you know what i'm saying like something's coming i've got chills and all like my head like, like <laughs> and i'm reading this book that my last counselor uh gave me my ptsd counselor on peer support uh so i'm reading that and i you know it's, it's taken me a while to like open the book it just itself but now i'm reading it and 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 it's it's a it's not boring okay and so i'm i'm instead of reading one page a day i'm reading like a chapter a day Wow, you know, and then just and it's I'm just like well, okay, you know, it's just pretty, you know, and I understand it, and and I think that I think that God has taken me somewhere in that direction, mm-hmm. and so you know, being at the stand down, doing this, these talking to other veterans and stuff like that, you know, just want to be heard, just want to be talked to, and I know how that feels too. You know what I mean? So sit there and you listen or whatever. And sometimes you give a little feedback. Sometimes you just listen, you know, and. Sometimes that's what we need, right? We just need someone to listen. It's not so much. I need someone to tell me what to do or I need advice. Sometimes just to have someone to just hear us and let them know, hey, I hear you. I see you. You know, I'm here. You matter. Yeah. Yeah. So. So to get into that, like, it sounds like you're very empathetic. So there, and there's a big difference between empathy and sympathy. Empathy is saying, I'm here with you. Like, I understand how you feel. I can, I can relate where sympathy is. 
oh, I'm really sorry that happened to you. And then kind of just like, okay, bye. But empathy is really knowing how that person feels. And as I'm listening to you talk about volunteering and doing the intake and things and going on these different things, now reading the peer support, it really seems that you would be great at it. You have that empathetic component. And I think that's what we need. Like, especially, you know, you've been through it and you know how it feels and to come on the other side of that, of those negative feelings and, you know, those experiences and negative coping, um, you can really help a lot of people, Ramon. So I'm, I am very intrigued to keep up with you and see where, where you go. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate that, you know, like, and we'll see, you know, we'll see. As long as I'm going to keep continuing to doing to this, you know, what we're doing with, with, with this lady, uh, Kelly and the home working with homeless veterans of San Diego. And also in my Muay Thai school, extreme power gym in Oceanside, California, you know, my teacher, he's also a Marine and he did two tours himself. Um, one in desert storm, one in Somalia. And, um, you know, there's a there's there's other you know veterans that come because we're not too far from the base at all from Camp Pendleton. So there's a lot of veterans that come through there that use, and not just veterans, just people in general that use this martial arts thing, you know, as a coping mechanism to to to, to release, you know, and balance themselves out, you know, and it, yeah. um, it's not all grit and brawn, you know. Yeah. Some people, oh yeah, you know, it's so much more than that. I mean, it's, so much more, you know, and there's, and, and then, you know, giving back to the community in a sense where, you know, when I do go to train and I, and I do continue to go and he sees that I'm coming, that I'm supposed to, because sometimes I don't, you know, and now I live kind of far away. So it's really difficult to even get to class. So mm-hmm. it's like, I'm, I'm just sitting here by myself, you know, and, and that part is that sucks, you know, um, I need a vehicle. That's what I need. <laughs> so step by step, I'm done with probation, with all the other stuff. And, you know, people, you know, sometimes he has us teach class or, you know, a new person would come in and he's had, he's had me teach, um, you know, some new people who, new kids who would come in, you know, new youngsters who would come in and, and teach them the simple basic stuff. And, and that right there, you know, is, there's there's purpose in all of that. And, and what yeah. it's doing is making somebody a better individual, and and not just them, but myself as well. And 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 that's then that's spreading it out into the community. You know what I'm saying? It's changing people's mindsets and and, and and lives and helping out wherever possible. I guess you know, making somebody feel good about learning something new. You know, yeah. and. Uh, there's, there's, there's a lot of good in that stuff, you know, still in the midst of all of that, I still struggle with my own thing and I still struggle and with, with my addiction, I, you know, I'm an addict, you know, and, um, an alcoholic and I still strive, I still struggle with that, you know, and, um, it's, it's a battle every day. And, uh, sometimes I falter and sometimes I do real good and, but man, the body can only take so much, you know, eventually it's going to give out, you know. So I wanted to ask you if you're okay with talking about it a little bit, and it doesn't have to be in depth. Was that something that was also brought on, like, after you served was kind of addiction? 
Um, there was some of it as, you know, as, as an adolescent. Okay. But it was um, pretty much gone until I got to Camp Pendleton. And then I fell back into it some. And then I got in trouble for it. And then I stayed clean from everything for a good 10, 12 years. Until just before I went to Chicago the first time. Uh, with my mom being sick and stuff like that. And I, um, it just kind of, it went haywire ever since, you know, and, uh, and it got worse, you know, and we added on more, more different drugs, you know, and, um, there's been something that I've been struggling with since, you know, and, uh, it's, it's, it's no easy cake ride, you know, and, yeah. um, but, you know, and, and while, you know, I, I tried killing myself using the drugs, you know, but I wouldn't fucking die, you know, then I, then I was starting to ask God, like, okay, what do you, what do you want? You're like, what do you want here? You know, like, I don't get it. You know, you won't let me die. You won't, you know, I'm still here. What do you want? You know, I was really asking God, what do you, what, you know, what, what do you want from me? You know, mm-hmm. so I guess, you know, just keep living. Yeah, I'm sorry. I need a moment because that's really, that's hard, right? So obviously you have a purpose. Um, really? No, you do. You do, and I mean, like, and I, I have my dog now. You know, I, I and and I, I, just, I gotta stick around. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. um, I'd like to get married one day or just have a girlfriend. You know, that would be nice. You know, um, I miss my family. You know. Sometimes I want to go back home, but I can't go back to the neighborhood. I can't. It's, I, I know what's going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I have to stay away. Um, unfortunately, like a lot of the people that I grew up with, they're all, they're all over there, you know. And, but, you know, they, they have their struggles too. And uh, I don't know how to say no. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's my problem. You know, and there's there's no outlets there. It's, it just seems like every time, but it's like this black hole just stuck right in. You know, like, yeah. and if you're not strong, you know, and and it's it's just I don't you know, environment to me is everything. I had to change everything. That's part of why I didn't want to go back home and things like that. It changed everything. You know, the whole different state, the whole everything, to try to create my own flag out here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But I mean, like, as much as you want to come back, people can go see you. <laughs> and you, there's a, always technology. You can visit them over Zoom, over Facebook Messenger. Yeah, um, and I do sometimes, yeah. you know, not all the, all the time. I call, I call, because I'm here by myself in this little yeah. place. 
I have a really nice studio here. It's it's a nice place. Um, uh, I'm content with it. You know, I just wish I had a vehicle. Or the buses. The buses don't run very well. I mean, the last bus is at 7.30 p.m. Mm. I mean, my, my gym takes an hour to get from here to my gym. And, 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 and it stops at, you know, closes at 7.30, 8 o'clock. So I can't even go to do the Muay Thai. That was like my outlet to keep me like, that's, it seems like, you know, that's hard to get to, too. Yeah. You know, I have a friend now that you know he lives in the area and you know he goes on certain days and he'll, he'll give me a ride you know mm-hmm. so there's that you know um but it, it you know if if i didn't get that doi you know i'd probably still have my car and i'd be going to practice but I, you know i did that to myself mm-hmm. i can't blame anybody for nothing you know on, on that you know i, I did I did what I wasn't supposed to do. Mm. That's and I paid. I'm still paying, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, but um, that, that's why support systems are really important to have, right? So that yeah. way you have those. Do you feel like you have built a support system where you live? Yes, I do. I have, um, I have my, my friend, um, her, her name is, uh, her name is Madonna. And she was she's in the Marine Corps with me too, and she's a Jamaican girl, and 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 she has been my friend, and I love her to death. Oh. I really do. She uh, she's always there. I was on the phone with her before I, you know this whole thing happened. I was trying to charge my headphones and everything and you know and we can talk forever I mean, and you know and we're there for each other and she's um she's a wonderful person and she's a marine you know she's you know raised her children and got a master's degree and she worked her butt off and she has a story i mean just herself like anybody else mm-hmm. and it's just a story of triumph i guess you could say you know she just she she's no buster, that's for sure. She's tough. <laughs> Very smart. And um she's also uh she did counseling herself. You know, she was the counselor, you know, things like that. And you know, yeah, so um okay. we we talk all the time, you know. And there's there's my other friend Anna, you know, and, and I love her death as well. And then she when it came to jujitsu, she was like part, like, you know, there's a story behind that, but between me and her, but and now I'm like part of their family, you know? Aww. And uh, so they're like my extended family from Chicago. They're my family here, you know? Um, Madonna, she doesn't live in the same state. She lives East Coast. Okay. So basically, pretty much I'm, I'm here, you know, Anna's really the only one that they're kind of have and then you know there's you know, programs that I, that I was in uh interfaith program I, I became um close friends with some people that were in that program as well mm-hmm. and uh, um and you know I, I call my cousin if I really have to there's people that I can call that you know um I've had to use the uh crisis hotline a few times 
when I was going into the um, interfaith program, I three times, three times, wow. I was on the phone with um, what do they call that? The crisis hotline. Because mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I there's other ways for me to finish myself off, you know, since I don't have a weapon. Um, so I was by the train tracks. I'm ready to, I'm, I'm, you know, at some point I'm ready to just do it that way. But then what if I live, you know, I'm a vegetable and I'm really going to hate life. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I made, I made some phone calls, you know, with them and, uh, you know, um, they got me through it. You know, I'm still here, you know, and I, I can't imagine the devastation that would be caused by my giving in. You know, and actually, I'm yeah. It's funny, I'm talking about that because I'm wearing this shirt. Can you read it? Yes, it says, Do not give in to the war within and veteran suicide. Yeah. Thank you for letting me read that and thank you for wearing that. Like that, mm-hmm. we actually in uh, September. My cousin, who has a small business, Poco Picoso, uh, did a fundraiser, and we raised money for Stop Soldier Suicide. And, yeah, yeah, so just the fact. And then uh, Rahevlo and I signed up for uh, Ruck March for the month of October through Stop Soldier Suicide. It was like 50 miles we had to do for the month. Yeah. I did one of those over here. They call it Silky's March. <laughs> I think it. Is, I think it's called the Silky's March. You know what the Silky's are, right? No, I do not. You do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the Silky's are the sort. You know what? Oh, my God, I got them over here. <laughs> These are the Silky's. Oh, <laughs> so they're like. You know, you put them on and your stuff's like everything is they're so yeah. Um <laughs> so they put they put that stuff on, everybody just comes half naked and stuff and steaming vegetables just kind of hanging all wherever and you got women there and they have games and it's uh ten mile hike mm-hmm. um from one point to the beach area and oceanside here and um i did that once you know uh, I, I i don't think i can do it now okay you know lungs or whatever if i did it would have to be like you know they have you know safety trucks and stuff like that yeah um but you know events like that you know um what is that who are they <sighs> irreverent warriors you ever heard of them I have not. They can probably look them up. Irreverent warriors. And then there's, oh, I got it at the tip of my tongue, but there's other ones. Do you want to share what that is, though, before we move on? I'm not exactly too sure who they okay. are, but I guess they, they, um, they do events and they, they, uh, I think they do dark humor, like military dark humor. Okay. <laughs> 
Can you, you say, like, can you tell us their name one more time? Irreverent Warriors. Irreverent. Okay. I'm definitely going to check that out. And then there's, uh, there's another one. Oh man. Oh, uh, I can see it in my front and vet TV. Vet TV? Vet TV, I think. And, and there's a guy named is Don O'Malley or something like that. Okay. Um, and there's, and, and, and they have, they do little skits, you know, uh, like stuff that happens in the military, you know, that other people would be like, what the fuck is wrong with these people? <laughs> you know, like, and to us, it's hilarious, you know, and they do, they just do all kinds of stuff. And, and um, and I think that's part of how, that's one coping mechanism that we use to, to get, to get through, I guess, you know, that yeah. you laugh, you gotta laugh when you're alive, you know, laugh and, you know, live for God's sake, live. Yeah. Cause there is purpose, right? You, you have a purpose, purpose you know, and, and, and. You, you got to live. At some point when I decided to fight back, one of the things I thought to myself was, I mean, the words were exactly were it's like, come on, Ramon. Like, come on, man. You got to, got to give yourself a chance. You got to give life a chance. You got to give love a chance. Put yourself out there. Try. You just try, you know, live. Yeah. So now, you know, this girl Anna is coming around and, you know, there's a lot that we share and things like that. And I don't know where it's going, but she's definitely a part of my life. Her and her family and things like that. And great people, great people. And we, we do holidays together and oh. boxing matches and parties, you know, and, and, they, and we just, I spend the night on the couch and shit like that, you know, like, and you know, cookouts and you know, Easter, you know, uh, we, we do all those things. And it gave me, like, you know, I, I just kind of, I wonder, like, well, man, this beautiful woman wants to have anything to do with somebody like me. You know, it gave a new sense of hope because I felt like that part of me just, I mean, just, I don't think very highly of myself. You know what I mean? Like, there's no, and I don't got game. I don't play games. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't, I don't know how to spit games or whatever. <laughs> because it never has been my thing. I'm. I'm straight up. Front. I'm. I'm. I'm real. I guess. And I am who I am. You know. But um. So I mean, they're her. Her and her family. They're. They're great. And there's. There's. There's other ways there that we. That, you know, by hanging around them and stuff like that. That. To get you through, gets me through, you know. And, yeah. and my dog are always invited and stuff like that. And sometimes now she comes over, and you know. And, and we were talking just recently, uh, right before, you know, before Madonna, there was Anna, and then there was you. <laughs> so Anna called to kind of prevent, you know, and and that's you know that's good stuff, that's right? Good stuff, you know, yeah. It's helpful, you know, and um, I don't know where any of it's ever going to go, but, you know, there's there's that. For what it's worth, you know, just 
And and there's there's a friend that's uh across in the Philippines. So it's it's a it's a hard reality because there's no way I'm gonna get out there, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know we really like each other. But it it's just like she's way over there, I'm over here, and she she you know, she's a grandma now, and I I want I would like to have a kid, you know, <laughs> you know, and. Uh, but you know, there's a couple of people that when I started to open up, that kind of started to come around. And there's a church that I have, you know, they go to from time to time here. Okay. And it took me a long time to find a good church, but this is a good church. There's good people there, and it's not like I want to go spend time with them sometimes. You know, let's go fishing and charter boats every once in a while, and um, and I, I like them. They're, you know, it's, it's nothing's forced. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, I'm comfortable with them. The good people is a good church, and it's a small church. So, you know, I don't know. Life, life is kind of it feels empty sometimes. You know, and lost, and and, and really lonely. <laughs> you know. But you're not alone, Ramon. You have, you know, your friends. You have, you know, you can call Rehabil anytime, like anytime. You could take him if you want. You could take him for fixing. He can go stay with you. I would love that. If you want to go, like they sent you on that little thing on the on messenger. Um, I mean, you know, you you sound like you have your church, you have your counseling support team you have the va you have the crisis hotline i actually in one of my episodes have disclosed i've used that as well i wasn't suicidal but i was definitely in crisis and needed someone to talk to and i didn't want to burden other people with my problems so i just called the crisis hotline and i mean the person i talked to was just like didn't didn't make me feel judged did it make me feel like something was wrong with me i just talked and they listened and I was on the phone with what felt like an eternity and they didn't try to say, okay, well, I have to go, you know? So, and so as we're talking about the crisis hotline, I would like to share the number. Uh, so if you aren't, if anyone can call this number, but if you are the military, uh, it's 800-273-8255. And for military, you press one. And you can also initiate online chat by texting 838-255. Again, the number is 800-273-8255. Military personnel can press one. Um, and you can initiate online chat by texting 838-255. So, and also if military personnel need resources, you can um, search online the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs. And that website is mentalhealth.va.gov. So there is help out there and there is hope and, you know, people don't have to worry that they're going to put their careers on the line. As I was doing, like I said, I was doing my research for this episode and I was reading that um, since 2014, there's now um, like an act out there that military personnel can disclose uh, to their doctors, primary care doctor, and they could seek treatment. It's not going to affect their career. Because some, what's happening is 36% of military personnel who don't um, disclose to their doctors that they're having issues with their mental health end up engaging in risky behaviors and destroying their career, essentially. 
So, you know, it's better to tell, it's better to tell someone and say something because the sooner you can get help, the better, right? I mean, if you just keep that stuff bottled in, it just builds and builds and builds. It's going to come out some way, somehow. It's, it's like, like a quasar, I guess, you know, mm-hmm. quasars, all that pressure, the black holes, everything goes in there. Everything goes into like the black, what, if I understand this correctly, the black hole and all this energy is going sucked into this black hole. And it's only so much that black hole can take. Eventually what happens is it, yep. it explodes and that's called the quasar. So all that is going to come in and explode and create a whole new, um, a whole new universe. Yeah. So, um, and, and, and that, um, we're, we're the same. If that energy, it has to go somewhere. Energy must continue to move. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't, it's like that of the, like the quasar thing. It's, it's going to explode. Or if, if we put it in terms of like a, like a blood clot, the blood stops flowing through a piece of your vein or something like that. And then no, nothing's like not moving. It just stays there, becomes stagnant. Eventually, you're going to have a blockage in, in your vein or in your heart, wherever your blood flow. And um, you're going to have some kind of, you know, um, like an embolism or, or a heart attack of some sort. And, you know, it's going to be clogged. Yeah. It's meant energy and everything is meant to flow. Right. Right. Oh, I kind of went off on a hand tangent there. I don't want to <laughs> But if, if, if what we have is going on inside of us, it has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know, and we have to put it in, in in a category in our minds, you know, somewhere where it belongs. So we know what well, makes sense of it. And, and if, if it doesn't, it just kind of stays in one place and it's not going anywhere. And it could drive, you know, drive some people crazy. You know, you're going to explode. You're going to do something either internally or externally. That can be a big problem. Right. Right. Someone can get, you know, ourselves, people around us, you know, things are affected by that, you know, and have to find some kind of peace with it, you know. Yeah. So. Well, Ramon, I would really like to thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us and being open and being honest. I was really thinking, you know, of things to ask you. And that one of my things was like, I did not want to trigger you. And, you know, I'm really glad that we were able to sit and talk. And like I said, thank you for being open and honest with me and sharing. Yeah, I think that was really important, you know, for this. That's kind of part of putting myself out there for, you know, this story, someone out there is going to hear some pieces that they're going to be able to use and it really help them. It yeah. might even save a life for all I know. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, so stay alive, stay in the fight, keep moving forward, you know, stop, breathe. There's there's a reason for all of this mess, even if we can't make sense of it now or later. Um, 
our suffering is not in vain as we can help somebody else down the line. And it's not in vain. There's purpose for it. Um, then it's, you know, Oh. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for your service. You know, You're just welcome. thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, thank you for allowing me to be on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, this. Uh, how do you guys edit everything or whatever it is? <laughs> hearing. Um, this episode, um, I want to hear. I want to. I would like to hear it when time comes. You know? Yes, you will. Okay, Ramon. Those thank people you. People want to listen to it too. Okay. Oh, I'm excited yeah. for them to hear your story. And like I said, and you're from the community, so I'm really excited for people to hear your story. And again, thank you for sharing. All right, guys, it's been another episode. Thank you for listening. Come and chat with me. At Mind If We Chat, you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye, guys. We are not mental health professionals. We are two individuals who are passionate about mental health and topics related to mental health. Research has been done on these topics, and we are sharing our own personal experiences. All conversations and information exchange are intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Any information shared should not be used as medical advice or to self-diagnose. If you believe you are experiencing an emergency, please talk to your primary care physician or call 911.